0: Good morning everyone. My name is David, one of the ministers here. Excellent to be with you here on Back to Church Sunday. If you've come for the first time, feel really welcome. We love having you here and it's so good to open God's word with you. And I want to begin by going out on the limb and just suggesting something that we all feel the same about and that is none of us like being told what to do. Is that correct? Yeah, okay, I think we've got a bit of that. Uh, We just have, like, an allergic reaction when someone says to us, this is what you need to do. Um, Even if they're trying to help us, we kind of think, who do you think you are telling me what to do? Right, and it starts when we're little with our parents, right? You're not... Have you heard this line? You're not the boss of me, right? But it never really goes away either. Teenagers... Eye roll, sometimes accompanied with the sigh. Ugh. Right? I've got teenagers. But then, even as adults, it doesn't go away. We just learn to hide it a bit better. So, if someone's telling us what to do, we go, Yeah, okay. We nod and we smile. Great, thanks. Uh, and then we just let them go and we go our own way, doing whatever we were going to do anyway. We just hide it a bit better. Right? Because we love our independence. We love our autonomy, right? And and we don't like it when someone's telling us things that we must do because it feels like it restricts our freedom. We don't like it. The, the uh, The little rebel inside us gets agitated when people tell us what to do. Now, this can be a problem and a big problem when we come to the Bible, especially when we come to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, because they are full of Jesus Telling people what to do, giving us advice. We had a classic one today, Luke 9, 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Right, there's that word, must. Right, we, we react to that. Who does Jesus think he is telling me what to do? And so we might just smile and nod, but then let Jesus go and we go our own way. All right, it's a problem because Jesus is actually trying to help us. Jesus wants to save us. And Jesus knows the only way that's going to happen is if we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Because Jesus is the only way that we can be saved. So Jesus' call, it might feel demanding upon us, but it's a call to life. It's a call to eternal life. It is good for us. And so the question for us today as we're hearing God's word is how are we going to respond to Jesus' call? How we respond to his call today as we hear it? Now, the, the Gospel of Luke, great book of the Bible to help us with that, uh, because in this, in this gospel, Luke, uh, he, he tells us who Jesus is, the one who calls us. He tells us about him. But he also, t- he also tells us why Jesus is calling us to follow him, his mission. And finally, he shows us what does it mean to follow Jesus? All right, how do we respond to that call? And so that's our outline for today as well. And we're back in the gospel of Luke. Uh, we started it last year. And you might remember Luke is writing in the middle of the first century AD. And the reason that he's writing this gospel is so people might have certainty about these things to do with Jesus. And certainty, 100% certainty, lockdown, secure knowledge of the truth about Jesus. So they'll know him, so they'll follow him, no matter what the cost, they'll do it. And so we started last year in chapters 1 to 9, and and they really focus on who is Jesus, that first question there. And Luke wanted to show us Jesus is God's promised king, a king promised in the Old Testament. And so when Jesus is born, we see this. Uh, The angels announce to the shepherds that Jesus is born. They say who he is. Uh, my kids are memorising this verse at the moment. It's a great verse to memorise. Uh, they're doing it for Mentos. Uh, you just do it because it's good for you. Okay, Luke 2.11. Uh, the angels announced to the shepherds, this is who Jesus is. A saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, Messiah uh, or Christ means king. right? And so this is massive news. We've got to hear this. Massive news, the promised King of God's kingdom has been born. Uh, he is going to establish God's everlasting kingdom. He's here. All right, and so that is the first thing that Luke wants us to know. Jesus is here. He is God's king. And then he gives us these two uh, great moments in the gospel, um, two kind of bookends of identity of Jesus, one in chapter 3, one in chapter 9, where we hear a voice from heaven telling us who Jesus is. It's the voice of God telling us who Jesus is. So in chapter 3, we get the first one. When Jesus is baptised, we hear God say, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Then in chapter 9, when Jesus is transformed or transfigured on the mountain for a moment in glory, uh, we hear the voice of God from heaven say, This is my son. Whom I have chosen, listen to him. Right, those two bookends of identity. This is who Jesus is, and then in between those, in Luke chapters one to nine, we see Jesus performing great miracles. Uh, we we hear him teaching the crowds, amazing things. Uh, we see him just confounding the religious leaders with his wisdom. And the disciples are there and they're they're listening to Jesus, they're watching him and and they're wondering, is this the guy we've been waiting for? Is this God's Messiah? You know, he's pretty amazing, but he's kind of not the guy we are expecting. Okay, we were sort of expecting this conquering king, this militant one who would fight our enemies and lead us in victory and and re-establish the kingdom of Israel, but... But Jesus is this poor carpenter who's turned preacher. Is this the guy? Right? And even though that's going on for them, they cannot ignore the things that they are hearing, the things that they are seeing from Jesus. And so when Jesus finally asks them in 921, uh, if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 9, verse 21, um, Jesus asks them, Who do you say I am? And Peter answers. God's Messiah, okay? And he is right. He's got it, right? And and as readers of Luke's Gospel, we are meant to see that too. And not just that, we're meant to recognise that this is massive news, right? You cannot overestimate the value of Jesus coming to our world, right? This changes everything for our world. This changes everything for every individual life of every person, on this planet, this is massive news. And so, first, if we're going to respond to Jesus' call, we need to know the one who calls us. We need to know that Jesus is God's King. And then we need to know next: uh, why is He calling us to follow Him? Right? Why? Why must we do that? Right? We find the answer uh, in what Jesus came to do. Right? In His mission. And so now, I just want you to imagine, just for a moment, uh, that after church you go down to the Lennox shops, and you see there the Prime Minister of Australia. Okay, rolls up in the limo with the suit and the security, and there's news, news cameras everywhere. Okay, you wouldn't assume, oh, he's just here to get some milk. I better, I better beat him in there, get to the, get to the, the queue. No, you'd be like, what's he doing here? With what great purpose? Has he come? All right, and that's what we should be asking of Jesus. When we see him, we should be saying, what is he doing here? What purpose has he come with? What's his, his mission? Right, and so straight after Peter says that you're the Messiah, Jesus tells them his mission. Have a look at 9.22. This is who on the screen. Jesus says, The Son of Man, which is a name for himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. That is shocking, right? Uh, God's chosen one, his beloved son, his Messiah has come to be rejected and killed. Right? That's his mission. Can you believe it? Okay, now jump with me down to 9.51, Luke 9.51, because we're coming now to the turning point in Luke's Gospel. Up to this point, Jesus' ministry, his work, has been mainly focused in the north in Galilee, where that green box is. Okay, but now it tells us he's going to set his face for Jerusalem in the south. Okay, and so we read this in 9.51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Uh, Now, a couple of things to notice here. Uh, The time for him to be taken up to heaven is when he ascended to heaven. So that is 40 days after his death and resurrection. And notice about this time what it says, that the time is approaching. Okay, it is set and it is coming uh, like a wedding day, uh, if you, you set the date in the calendar and then it starts coming, it doesn't stop coming. Okay, that, That's what's coming for Jesus. This day is, is set for him to be taken up to heaven and what does he do as he sees the day approaching? He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Or, or literally, he, he set his face to Jerusalem. Right? He is determined to accomplish this mission. Right, kind of like you might see this on the face of an athlete uh, on the starting blocks in a swimming race before the gun or at the start of the, a running race. Right, they are determined to reach their goal. Right, and Jesus' goal is Jerusalem. Right, and not for sightseeing, like he's been there before. Right, it's for the cross in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Right? Jerusalem is the place where Jesus would be rejected and killed and buried. And Jesus, he knows that that's what awaits him in Jerusalem. But he doesn't try and change that. He doesn't try and avoid that. Uh, he embraces that. And he actually pursues it. Right? This is why he came. This is what he came for. Right? And when you think about that, that, that's got to really be amazing to us because Jesus could have done anything. Right? Jesus could have cured all disease in the world, every, every problem that we have fixed. He could do that. Uh, Jesus could have um, solved world hunger, just, just multiply bread, just, just feed everyone in the world. He could have done that easily. Jesus could have brought world peace. Anyone that opposed him, just squash them easily. But Jesus chose this. Jesus chose the cross. Because the cross was the way of salvation for our world. Now sometimes you know, we don't know what we need until someone puts it right in front of us. Okay, you know who is the best at doing this? Aldi. Yep, okay, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? The, the, the special buys catalogue. Okay? Uh, I didn't know this. I didn't know how much I needed a fold-away bed for $99.99 until I saw it in the Aldi special buys catalogue. Now, God does this for us in his word. He puts before us what we need the most. Right, what we need is salvation from our sin for life with him. All right, and that's why Jesus chose the cross. For this is the way for sinners to be reconciled to God. Right, because all of us have said to God, you're not the boss of me. You don't tell me what to do. All of us have gone our own way, rejecting his will for our lives. And what we deserve for this uh, is his just judgment an eternal judgment upon us. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross for our sin, right, to take a judgment that we deserved, right, to give us something that we definitely did not deserve. Right, That is salvation from our sin, for life with God, eternal life with God. Right, We, we might think we need all kinds of stuff in life, But this is all that we truly need. Because one day, this world, everything in this world will pass away and all that will remain is us standing before God. And on that day, the only thing that matters is Jesus and what he has done for us and how we have responded to him. This is why Jesus calls us to follow him because His way is the only way of salvation. It's the only way to stand on that day and be with God. And so Jesus, he he sets out for Jerusalem. And and as he goes on his his way, uh, we see what it means for us to follow him. And so what does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, come with me down to verse 57. We're jumping a bit. Uh, Verse 57 where we meet now three potential followers of Jesus. Now, we've already seen in Luke's Gospel, if you've been reading it, uh, we've already seen Jesus call people to follow him. Okay, We saw Peter, the fisherman, uh, Jesus called him to follow him. And what did Peter do? He left his boats, he left his nets, and he followed Jesus. Right, Levi, the tax collector, Jesus called him, and he left his tax booth, and he followed Jesus. And so when we come to this point in the Gospel, we know the right response to Jesus' call is to leave everything behind and follow him. But what do we see happening here with these three? Have a look at verse 57 and and the first person. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Great. That sounds good. But here's something amazing that Jesus does uh, again and again through the Gospels is that he is able to see through words to people's motives. He, He can see through the surface to what's really going on in the heart. And that's what we see in all these responses. And so he says to this man, foxes have dens, birds have nests, the son of man has no place to lay his head. So what he sees in this guy is that this guy loves the security of his home and his possessions and the things of this world. And Jesus says to him, if you're going to follow me, you've got to leave all those things behind. And so we move on to the second potential follower, verse 59. Jesus says to this man, follow me. And he says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. An honourable thing to do. But again, Jesus sees his heart in verse 60. He says, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, now what Jesus is putting his finger on here is what is first in this guy's heart. Because you notice what he said there? The man said, said first, let me go and do this. And Jesus says No. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Go and proclaim the king of God's kingdom. Go and proclaim salvation in that kingdom. Put that first in your life above all else. That is what it means to follow me. And so we move on to the next person, number three, verse 61. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. A reasonable request, Uh, but notice, what what does Jesus say? Actually, sorry, notice that that word again, first, first. So Jesus says, verse 62, uh, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You see, following Jesus is is demanding. Uh, Following Jesus means serving him first above all else. Now, I remember thinking when I was much younger, I was much smarter back then, had it all worked out, I thought this is what I'll do, I heard about Jesus and I thought, it sounds a bit hard, I thought I'll have my fun first, I'll do all the things that I want to do in my life and enjoy myself, then when I get a bit older, you know, sort of can't do as many things, uh, then I'll follow Jesus and I'll get the eternal life before I die, so I had it all all planned. And maybe you've had thoughts like that in your own life at some point in your life. Like you've kind of thought, you know, first I'm going to get my study done and then I'll have time to think about Jesus. Or you might have thought, you know, first I'm going to get my career sorted and then I'll, and then I'll get serious about Jesus. Or, you know, first I want to get my, get my home established, really save for that and just get that going and then I'll be, then I'll be ready to serve Jesus after that. We might have thought first I want to raise my family, I want to focus on my family, raise raise them well, and then when that's done, I'll have time for Jesus after that. And we've got to know that you know, first anything then Jesus uh, means no Jesus. Right? Jesus must be first. But this doesn't mean we don't study and work and build homes and have families or good things. It, it, but it means that all our ambitions and priorities and goals that we have in life uh, must be submitted to Jesus right? and just shaped by obedience to him above all else. Now, now you, you might be hearing this and, you, and you're starting to feel the, the little rebel inside us getting a bit agitated, saying, who do you, who do you think you are? Tell me what to do. And really we're saying to Jesus, Jesus, who do you think you are? Tell me how to live my life. And so maybe you're just tempted now to to just smile and nod, thank you, Uh, let Jesus go his way, but but I'm going to go my way. Now, I want to say that I think we'll think that way only if we don't see how great Jesus is, if we miss that. I think we'll think that way only if we don't see how much we need what he came to do, and our need for salvation. We'll think that way if we do not see that the only way of salvation is following him. But if if we do see all those things, when we hear the call of Jesus to to follow him, we'll gladly follow him. We'll, We'll leave everything to follow Jesus, if we see who he is and what he has done for us. And so what is your response to him? Would you follow Jesus for for all of us? Because interesting thing in the passage today, we didn't see the responses of those three potential followers, did we? We didn't hear what they did. And why is that? Because the response is left for us, the readers of Luke's Gospel, it's like one of those choose-your-own-adventure books, you know. I'm talking about those those books. You know, if you if you want to go down the stairs, turn to page sixty-four. You want to jump out the window, turn to page seventy. Okay, we'll put yourselves in the story here, from where you from where you're sitting. Put yourselves in the story. We're seeing Jesus on the way to Jerusalem, calling us to follow Him. It's our turn to respond. All right, will you leave everything, follow Him? Or will you let him go his way and you go your way? The thing about Jerusalem, it's not only the place of the cross, uh, it's also the place of the empty tomb, where three days later Jesus rose again. It's also the place where 40 days later Jesus ascended into heaven. That's where he is right now. Jesus is alive. He's active, right? And the Jesus who is alive today is calling us through his word to follow him. Now, for those of you, there's there's two groups here. There's those of you who are already following Jesus. And I want to say to you, keep going. We heard last week a great talk, persevere in following Jesus, right? Keep laying down your life for him who laid down his life for you. Jesus will never let you down. Not now and not ever. So keep following Jesus. Now the second group is those of us who are not yet followers of Jesus. All right for you. Don't leave it till later. Don't don't put it off until until another time. All right there is there's is nothing more important than following Jesus. All right and you've got to hear that you know everything that you leave behind it might feel hard. But those things are only temporary. Those things will not last. Right? What Jesus offers to us, uh, the things he offers to us, are eternal. Right? If you follow Jesus, you will gain a saviour, a lord. You will gain a father in heaven who loves you. Uh, you will gain a spirit of truth indwelling. Uh, you will come to God in peace now and forever. So when you hear that call of Jesus today, you're hearing the call of our Lord and our Saviour. Love him. Put him first. Leave everything to follow Jesus. For his way is the way of salvation. We're going to pray now. We're going to pray that God would do that work in us. And if you're thinking about these things, you can follow along in this prayer. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we praise you for creating us and giving us life and every good thing to enjoy. We are sorry for rejecting you and going our own way, but we thank you for sending Jesus, your beloved son, to save us from our sin, death and judgment and to give us peace with you. We thank you, Jesus, for showing us what we need most and accomplishing salvation through the cross. And we praise you now, for you are risen and reigning over all. Help us all, by your Spirit, to see you in your word, to know the truth about you, and give us hearts, Lord, to deny ourselves, believe in you, and gladly follow where you lead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.